0: Hi friends, my name is Eric Barnett, and you're listening to Songs of the Unsung. Songs of the Unsung is a podcast where I talk to fellow singer-songwriters about their songs and their influences. This week's guest is Paul Stone. Paul is a very positive guy, originally from Long Island, New York, now living in Somerville, South Carolina, and he's frontman of the Paul Stone Project, along with a group of really incredible local musicians. Their EP, Next in Line, is streaming on all the platforms right now. Enjoy my conversation with Paul Stone. Thanks for stopping by today, Paul. Well, thanks. Glad to have uh, some time with you, Eric. Before we go too much further, tell me how to pronounce your last name, and then I'll give it my best shot. Sure, it's Pietro Fesso. I was wondering if it was Pietro, yeah. or if it was Petro is what it got shortened yeah. to in the Pietro
1: Fesso. Pietro Fesso, and it's uh, loosely translated to uh, Stone Face. Stone Face. Yeah. So that's where Paul Stone Project kind of evolved out of.
0: Very cool. Yeah, it's definitely, Paul Stone is definitely easier to say, well- remember, spell, <laughs> print on a sticker. Uh, mm. there are a lot of local Charleston musicians that have a challenging last name that they they've adopted a moniker. Uh yeah. do you know um uh, Ben somewhere Ben yeah.
1: somewhere. Yeah.
0: Ra- Rablouski, I Rablewski. believe, and uh Roger Mindwater, Do you know Roger Mindwater, sure. That's I'm not even going to try. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So you do what you have to do. Yeah, it's so a great you, idea. Yeah. So if you go to an open mic or something like that, they say next up Paul P and you're like, just Paul is fine.
0: You got to have something that when people get home from seeing you play, there's at least a chance they'll be able to type that into a search engine. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So Pietro Fesso is the pronunciation. Pietro Fesso. And, you know, Paul, Paul Stone's Stone project. project
0: is the band. Right on. Yeah, man. I think I first saw you guys playing. I don't remember if you were a trio or a quartet or Oak Road. It was right after Brian's. Um, discussion about his uh canoeing trip
1: yeah um that was four piece mm-hmm. and we had drums that night i, th- I believe and I think it so, was yeah. at oak road yeah we yeah. had a really good time uh that was we played the song mississippi row on mm. which i wrote based on brian's trip down the mississippi Brian Dales. yeah and uh that song came out of it And it's quickly becoming one of the more popular originals, I think, just because it's very free formed and and loose from a, from a, you know, musical standpoint.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing and hearing you guys and being like, who is this guy? I
1: I know, um,
0: Brian Dales for the people listening. Yep. Um, I always reference Brian because he has that really good podcast craft conversations. I've been on a couple of times. You've been on quite a few times. And I always enjoy it when guests on this podcast go on Brian's first, because it makes my research very easy.
1: <laughs> yeah, f- you know, for sure. And and I think the first time I saw you play was at Homegrown Brewhouse, which is now Frothy Beard. Mm-hmm. And that was probably three, maybe four years ago. And I was like, wow, this guy's got some voice. Well, I appreciate yeah, that. R- Thank you, man. For sure. And uh, Brian, you know, uh, very influential on bringing music into the homegrown brew house absolutely yeah and i like to always say that scotty oliver i'll give it you know, mm. drop, drop names i know that absolutely things why not scotty's an awesome guy love scotty um scotty was the one that actually got me a gig there okay and uh the quick story is you had to play original music mm-hmm. and uh caleb the owner said uh you have original music and i was like oh yeah i got lots of original music <laughs> I had like maybe three songs. Right. So between the gig, booking the gig and getting there, I wrote a bunch of songs and oh. I had enough to do a whole gig, you know, like a, a two hour sure. thing. Yep. And it was very scary, you know, playing uh-huh. all original tunes. I was like, I hope I don't get a tomato in the face or something like that. But we had fun and it grew out of that um, where it started, it had to be originals and then it slowly morphed into, you know, Wow, I really like the way that you know I would stick one cover tune in. I said, uh-huh. "Is it okay to play a cover?" And he goes, "Yeah, do a cover." And then it became you could do more covers than originals, and nobody was really you know calling up and calling us out on it. So it by was the fun.
0: time I got to Homegrown, I didn't hear anything about play all originals. I didn't even know like that was sort of a thing. Oh yeah. So it, it was hard for me initially in Charleston because when I moved here, I definitely didn't have three hours worth of any kind of music right and quickly had to to make up the gap on that and you know i i love charleston i love the live music scene but it's in your average place they're not incredibly receptive to songs they don't know so you know i try to i try to I don't play a song I don't like. I'll tell right. you that much, yeah, but sure. yeah. So I didn't know that, but yeah, long that was, story short. It
1: was, it, well, I, you know, that's just, it was an interesting evolution for Homegrown brew Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was three nights a week they had live mm. music and it became a, a fun place to go on a Thursday, Friday, or sure. Saturday night. And you never knew who you would, you know, who would be there, so. Absolutely. Um, yeah, good times. You knew it'd be quality.
0: You, yeah. The, the one thing I really love about Somerville is, you know, Especially if you go and there's like a third Thursday going on in Hutchinson Square. Right. And then you can walk over and there might be music at Wine and Tapas. You can walk over. There might be music at,
1: it's frothy Frothy. now, you know, Yeah, but I do miss the homegrown days. Absolutely. Those were some fun times. There was no, uh, no real time limits or you just played, had a good time and and go home. (laughs) Yeah. So things
0: did come full circle. Actually. I, I opened for you guys out in Ridgeville very recently
1: that was a that was a fun fun day i'd like to say we shared the bill that day that was (laughs) that was awesome the cornhole the uh chuck town throwdown yeah um when we walked up i couldn't believe you were there because the person who booked us said oh yeah there'll be an opening act and Uh he's gonna play from 12 to 2 or something yeah and there you are playing some uh tom waits and some (laughs) rolling stones and boy that was awesome man
0: I, you know, I walked up. When I walked up to the place, they were just like pumping new country out of the speakers, and yep. I was just like, "What do I do? Oh no!" And I was like, "You, I, you can't go wrong with Tom Petty. Everybody never, likes everybody, Tom everybody likes Tom Petty. Everybody Fetty. likes Bob Dylan. Everybody likes yeah. the Eagles. You know, yeah. So it
1: worked out. You could play those songs over and over and." they come out differently each time and oh, people, sure. people really enjoy them. Yeah. So that was a really fun gig. It was cold. It was very cold. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like, when we packed up that night, it was probably right around 50 degrees. Listen to a New Yorker
0: in Ohio and say 50 degrees is cold.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, my blood's thinned out. Same. Yeah. Since yeah. Uh, being down south. Absolutely. Uh, snow is not in my vocabulary anymore. I'd rather never see it again. Me, I'll drink to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so New
0: York, the island.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. It's born and raised. Born and raised. Long Island. Yep. Brooklyn guy. Born in Brooklyn, raised in Nassau County. Okay. Grew up on the beach. So oh, people right. don't realize New York's got beautiful beaches right. like South Carolina mm-hmm. and um you know, went to elementary school, high school there. Lots of friends, but then business brought me down south. Okay. And, you know, traveled through Charlotte, North Carolina, and then ended up in Charleston since two thousand and five. So I, I consider myself a native now. Oh, Other, I'm sure others yeah. might not, yeah. but I do.
0: I mean, you've been here long enough. Absolutely. <laughs> um I think you said you started out on piano as a kid, yeah, it kind of really didn't didn't catch me Did't take, and then yeah. Dad gave you a guitar at
1: thirteen. 13. that's when I got uh into playing electric guitar mm. and uh, quickly found out that I needed to learn how to play on an acoustic guitar because there was you know nobody else to play with. right So I um, picked up an acoustic guitar and worked on that all through middle school and high school mm-hmm. and uh you know, cut my teeth on learning everything you should chords, Mm -hmm. progressions, how chords fit together. Right. Right. Um, try to emulate your favorite bands like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. I was
0: about to ask, I mean, who at 13 years old, you know, were you listening to that? You were like, I got to learn how to play guitar.
1: Yeah. Um, it's pretty pretty interesting so southern rock was really huge Mm -hmm. when i was in middle school you know leonard Skinner, molly hatchet allman brothers i don't know if you'd call them southern rock they're like everything right right um but you know, I was listening to those bands, and then also, you know, my favorites, like The Beatles, um, certainly was big influence, right. and uh, we all tried to learn how to play "Blackbird." hmm <laughs> I, I still don't have Hardest that song in the world. Sure. To, to play, and then try to play it and sing it. It's right. Paul McCartney's, like, you know, the, the god of uh, musical instruments. Oh, yeah. And um, so, the, the, you know, they really influenced a lot of how I tried to sound. hmm And then vocally, you know, um, I always liked to sing and play. Mm -hmm. Some people would say, I wish you wouldn't sing so much, but (laughs) I think I've gotten better at that over the years. Mm -hmm. But when you're a teenager, you have to figure out how to sing. So I said, wow, who, who do I sound, who do I want to sound like? And of course, you know, Eric Clapton and the cream came up. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to, and doing, you know, um, songs that were very popular in the Mm sixties and early seventies. And you, you know, you just keep cracking at the whip and, Put four or five songs together, and then you're playing in the auditorium.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I on Brian's podcast, you kind of gave a shout out to your music teachers out there. Had oh had a couple guitar guys teaching you guitar.
1: Yep. Um, when when I f- first started playing, uh, there was a, a small guitar shop. It was in a little house on one of the streets, and the the uh, it was two brothers, Tom and Charlie Lavarco and they had a Focus 2 studios and Tom was my first you know quote unquote real guitar teacher mm-hmm. should have paid more attention to what <laughs> he was laying down but he taught me all the things that would help you get started mm-hmm. on electric guitar so I switched you know m- progressed from acoustic to electric guitar mm-hmm. and uh it was you know power chords mm. and pentatonic scales okay uh, s- uh different types of practice techniques to get your fingers to move faster and Mm -hmm. and better. And uh, probably should have listened to more of what Tom (laughs) had to say, but they're two great guys and actually it's called, um, uh, oh gosh, the name just flipped out of my brain, but Charlie LaVarco, the younger of the two brothers is still up there and it's called uh, The Music Euporium on Jerusalem Avenue in Belmore. Okay, uh, right on. Man, th- those guys were awesome. They just, they they really catered to the musical community. Nice. And all the young cats who didn't have money, they would try mm-hmm. to help them get into guitars and stuff like that, so.
0: Now, when you came to them saying, I want to learn how to play guitar, did they, was it, was it chords and scales right off the bat? Or was it like, let's figure out how to work a song into this? Let's, or, or. It
1: was a little both. Yeah. It was like a mix, you know. Okay. Uh, start out with chords. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then cowboy chords right yeah, you know, oh, yeah. g chord d chords sure. you know, c chord yeah. and stuff like that and then um scales came later uh-huh but it was uh, always some musical theory in the beginning okay and then they would try to mix a song in yeah and you know chord chart it yeah right there on your little musical book uh-huh. there and write uh-huh. the chords out and you know try to work out a song and then go home and practice mm-hmm. should have practiced more Oh And <laughs> yeah. And then come back the next week and you'd go through it.
0: I had like one lesson. Yeah. And it I had already been playing guitar like kind of self-taught and I had a buddy that was learning at the same time so we just kind of compared notes. Right. And um my mom took me into this local place for one lesson and the woman sat me down and had a like a like a Mel Bay book or something. Right. And she started like, "Well, this is the C scale." And I was I, that wasn't the way to get to me right you know what i mean yeah the way to get to me was like show me three songs and one song that has the or three chords and one song that has those three chords in it and i'm hooked yeah but yeah that that wasn't the way to get to me
1: yeah so this was a mix of you know mel bay Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. playing a song that you wanted to learn so usually he would say go home and next week let me know what song you want to learn yeah i would always come back with something that was real easy like while My Guitar Gently Weeps, you uh-huh, know, uh-huh. super hard song right, to play yeah. when you're a beginner. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he would work it out and you'd mm-hmm. practice it and a month later you might be able to get through the verse.
0: <laughs> I a a buddy of mine and I, we just kind of learned at the same time and it was to the point where we are like, you know, G, C, and D get you pretty far. And then all of a sudden you start looking, you're seeing all this like, oh, this B minor. Oh, if I could just get that B minor down, this is, this is what I could do too. And, and, you know, you kind of take
1: one more chord brings these five more songs into play. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The the Beatles had a story of Paul McCartney tells a story about when they started playing the the John George and uh, Paul, I don't think Ringo was in the band Hmm. yet, but they, they, they were in search of the B seven chord and they took a bus like Two towns away to have some guy teach him how to play that b seven chord, I probably got that story a little wrong, but it was definitely funny because like the B minor chord, yeah and, yeah and you're like man, if I could learn that chord, it opens up all these turnarounds that and, sounds like and a, stuff like
0: that it sounds like a king arthur's quest it's We're quest, on a quest, quest for the b seven
1: <laughs> but pretty cool,
0: so yeah, uh, at what point did you start uh at what point did that turn into a did you have a band there and friends of yours or or when did when did playing with others come into play
1: uh, pretty right right in line with playing guitar but mm-hmm. because i wasn't a very good guitar player they said why don't you play bass yeah <laughs> because yeah. i was taking bass upright bass in middle okay. school yeah terrible at it because it's a hard instrument to play there's no is, frets right so it's about listening and, and yeah. feel and learning but um i picked up a hollow body uh, electric bass, Mm. and I was playing bass guitar with a couple of guys that played guitar. And it evolved from that, and eventually I said, you know, let's switch to guitar Mm -hmm. full time, and I played with these, the first real band I was in, Eric, um, was in ninth grade, so whatever age we were, and the name of the band was High Gear, right? (laughs) Yeah. We had two drummers, a bass player, and two guitar players. Okay. So it was, you know, it was a pretty big thing. You're putting out some noise. Putting out some noise. And, and um, you know, of course, the bands that have two drummers, we were trying to get- Allman Brothers. Allman Brothers, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And uh, had a lot of fun playing guitar, mm-hmm. as, you know, as a, a ninth grader. And, you know, of course, got to play in the talent show. Oh, of course. So, you know, the, uh, the first song, this will make everybody smile, the first song I ever played in front of an audience at a, at a uh, talent show, was Freebird. <laughs> and they had me sing it. So I've never, oh, okay. I never really sang and played guitar, but right. they said, no, you could do it. You could do it. You know? Right. And so, because um, the, the other guitar player had to do the Freebird lead. Oh, so right. He didn't yeah. want to, he couldn't, you know, the, doing those yeah. things together doesn't yeah. really always work out. So, right. Uh, there i am singing freebird and uh you know that was like the start of wow this is more fun than anything else in the oh, world yeah. you know? and so it just kept growing
0: yeah you know everybody likes to say they're not doing this for validation but every it's, you throw a musician a little bit of validation and it's
1: oh forget it it's crack it's man it's crack <laughs> it's you're ready to go but that that was really the bass guitar and then into guitar mm-hmm. and then all you know through high school there were different bands mm-hmm. that i played with writing
0: songs at all then or just learning songs and playing covers or
1: yeah the, um, so songwriting started in high school mm-hmm. and uh, i was playing with a, a bunch of guys that were really amazing um our band name changed it was paradox okay and there's a band that actually had some album that was called paradox that's not us but um we were writing songs and, and it was like 19 eighty, eighty-one, eighty-two. Mm-hmm. So forty years ago, which is just incredible. And the music, we had a keyboard player who was really um very much into experimental type music. So our music okay. was almost had like a rap feel before there was rap music. So it's nineteen. Okay. You know, it was very uh we, we used drum a drum machine. Okay. We had a drum machine and a drummer. Oh so all the right. T- the time was right there. Sure. And uh you know, writing our own songs was fun. We recorded in a in a basement studio mm-hmm. with a uh, Tascam Porta Studio, uh-huh. right? Tascam Porta. studio. So like a like a four track Porta say. Studio yep. with a with a reel to reel connected to it. Mm-hmm. And um, we you know we made demos. We published our stuff. You know, like if you know, however you d- however you had a. Pre- you know did you do copyright like the, put co- it
0: in the mail and send it to yourself or? no
1: you actually had a we sent it to like the uh um, oh you did the real the version real version yeah. like sent it to the whatever it goes to like washington dc yeah one zero zero two one and they send you a thing back you had to put your you know your 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 um lyrics notes and, and, and the, lyrics and the yeah. music and you do all that stuff and we were really proud of it sent out <laughs> hundreds not hundreds we sent out quite a few uh C demos they weren't cds they were cassette tapes, right? To uh, different, you know, Columbia and Arista, and mm-hmm. Casablanca, and you'd get the rejection letter. Oh, thank you so much for considering us for your music, but this isn't what we're looking for right now. Sure. Keep writing and keep sending us those yeah. songs. And you know. a letter's better than nothing, <laughs> was right? right? But yeah, a lot of fun.
0: Awesome, man. Yeah, um, a lot of gigging, playing around. Yeah,
1: town. Um, in New York, Long Island was. Famous for uh <clears throat> live music and clubs mm-hmm. so you could play pretty much whenever you wanted and um we did gig you know not I wouldn't say a lot mm-hmm. because we were in school and um sure. uh, other things but we played you know quite a few places over the years in uh in new York and and had a and had great times you know it was mm-hmm. always fun we never played CBGBs, right okay yeah that we was... always wanted to play cbg of course but, um our friend you know we had friends that their bands were there and and uh that that place was like crazy fun to go to. Oh, that's
0: very cool. Was there like a kind of a local scene where yeah. you had you know bands that you guys were friends with and you'd share bills and stuff like that? Um
1: and- yeah there there were but it's I honestly I think um Somerville and Charleston has a much more warm music scene. Really? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, and that's my, maybe my my perception of it. Okay. But i think people talk and share more um musically here in new york sometimes it was a little bit cutthroat Mm -hmm. not in a bad way but it was just like our band's the best band sure you know blah 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 i mean you can
0: absolutely have music scenes where everybody views it as a competition it was very competitive yeah and not a lot gets done that way um but, you know, if you have a sort of a more of a collaborative scene where people realize just like a rising tide lifts all boats, yep. a lot more gets done and everybody's just kind of happier. It,
1: it, it's the truth. And, and I, I don't want it to sound like it was, you know, there weren't friends and relationships, right, but right. there was always that very competitive thing. Like who could play that lick, especially mm-hmm. if you were doing, you know, cover band stuff, which we did mm-hmm. too. Um and it, you know, that was just what it was. So there were a lot of clubs. We mm-hmm. played a, gigs in New York back when I was up there. Was uh, you played from ten to four in the morning? Oh wow, wow! <laughs> Bars were open until four a.m. And you, okay. you know, you would, you know, pretty much have to play when you played. So right, you know, you learned how to extend songs, and sure. jam on stuff, and
0: did yeah. you? I mean, would you repeat sets? Would it be three hours and then three hours again, or would you try to play a, a six-hour run um, with?
1: if it was us alone so like we, we sometimes we would share a bill if it was okay. us alone um now we always had enough mu- i mean we used wow. to have like boatloads of music mm-hmm. i mean you know aerosmith to led zeppelin and wow. you know free bird is always a good one to give you 10 <laughs> oh that gives break. you 10 yeah <laughs> for sure so it was a lot of, it
0: was really pretty cool yeah yeah and did you uh continue to do that on through college
1: and everything and- yeah we played we played until uh I guess about 20, I was about 22 years old. Okay. And then, you know, like all things, we weren't really getting to that next level. So sure. we decided to uh, pack it in. Mm-hmm. And then I played more uh, for my own, you know, satisfaction, stopped gigging and all that stuff. Mm. But, um you know, it was it was fun while it lasted, you know?
0: Gotcha, man. Yeah. Now, said you moved to Charleston about 2005. Yep. And I think you said... Maybe two thousand tenish is where you auditioned
1: for a band on drums. Yeah, I, gosh, it's been that long. Yeah, I,
0: I was doing math. You didn't say the year, but I was kind yeah, of yeah. It was probably I was about trying to do some math on that. Yeah,
1: that's pretty close. I mean, it's it's over ten years. And uh, friends, you know, that were trying. I overheard them talking. They said, "Boy, uh, if we could just get a drummer." And I said, "Well, you know, I could play drums." <laughs> oh that yeah that was the stupidest thing to say
0: now by by i can play drums i mean i mean, did you have a drum set no i didn't but, have a drum okay set.
1: i didn't i don't even think i had sticks <laughs> but they said you know they said oh man we have a kit and you uh-huh. can borrow sticks so yeah um i played uh i, I did an audition Uh huh. i was exhausted after playing <laughs> for about an hour two hours whatever yeah. it was and, like my arms and my legs were killing mm. me but um yeah i Never played a gig on drums, so that yeah. never did happen. Okay. But after, I, after we were um, done uh, with the audition, I'm going to call it, mm-hmm. uh, there was a guitar there, and I was poking around on the guitar. And the drum, mm-hmm. And the other person there said, you play guitar? And I said, well, that's really my <laughs> instrument. I right. just, just wanted to get into a band again. Yeah. And they said, well, I'm a drummer, really. I just like playing guitar. Okay. So we flipped, and, and that's how we got into music again down in the South.
0: That's excellent. And so, was that sort of the first foray back into music since the
1: your early twenties? Was yeah, it? in a band, absolutely. A I, awesome I played band. in church. I shouldn't say okay. You know, I played like acoustic guitar mm-hmm. in church and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Totally different, though. You know, sure. you have yeah. music in front of you, and you're you're not supposed to be in the limelight. Right, you're supposed it's to be, back up, back up, and, up the singers, and, and stuff and people like are that.
0: generally pretty forgiving of
1: yeah well and if you're playing with chords in front of you yeah you really can't go wrong no you really can't go wrong not it's, a <laughs> lot of b minors and there's you know <laughs> straight up ch- a lot of diminished chords in church music though. oh yeah
0: oh yeah yeah a lot of plagal cadences <laughs> for those a, of your yeah, theory buffs right. <laughs> i know just enough theory to be dangerous
1: me too me too
0: to myself yeah yeah but so uh Back to playing live music. Back in in Somerville, playing in a band. Where does the Paul Stone project come into
1: play? So we we had a band and we were playing. Um, it was called the Big Daddies. Okay. So we were having a lot of fun playing, you know, together. Mm-hmm. Really great guys. Um, Roger Craig. Mm-hmm. Him and I have been joined at the hip since since that. Bass player. Bass player. yeah, uh, Solid bass solid player. Solid bass too. player, man. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you want him on your team whenever you're playing. Oh, music. yeah. He's a good guy. Um, and then there was uh, D Coulter, and D was the other guitar player. Okay. And uh, we had a few different drummers, but you know, Keenan Green was our drummer that we played with for, I'm going to say, the longest. Mm-hmm. And what happened was um, I wanted to play more. I just, mm. I got the bug again. You know, my daughter's growing up. She's doing her thing and I had yeah. more time. Right. So um, I was talking one night and I said, hey, would you guys mind if I just did like some solo stuff or maybe some duo stuff and tried to, you know, keep growing my yeah. abilities again? No, let's go ahead and do it. So I needed a name. Mm-hmm. Paul Stone Project came up and uh, the uh, first gig that I played was at Cup of Mana. Okay. So yeah. Jan- Janice over Cup of mana was nice enough. And Mike, I shouldn't say both of them mm-hmm. were nice enough to let me play on a Saturday afternoon. And it was like two hour gig. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous. because <laughs> I hadn't, play- I, you know, always have a band behind you. It's a whole different whole ball game different when you're by game. yourself. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: um, even if you're the singer, even if you're the front man of a band, if, when you got people back there behind you and, and they, they got your back. Yes. But when you're up there by
1: yourself, yeah, <laughs> there's absolutely. nowhere to hide, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I, I had to buy a uh, PA system. I didn't have a PA system, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I bought a uh, powered PA speaker from uh, the local guitar shop and, mm-hmm. and a microphone and a four channel board. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, now we're cooking. So, you know, that's how it, that's how I got into the Paul Stone project and it, you know, it's just that was two thousand seventeen. So it's, okay. it's five years pretty much now, which nice. is nice. About about that, right? Give or take a month or two. Yeah. Yeah. But then
0: that original lineup, it was it uh let's see, I got it here. Roger. Yeah. John Wilmarth. And then occasionally
1: Julia Yeah, Occasionally wife. Julia was singing with us and it mm-hmm. was yeah, it was um that was the lineup that we uh cut the EP Yeah that we did at Charleston Sound. And that was just an amazing thing, too. The last time I was in a studio was 1998. Yeah. A few things changed. Oh, look at this. <laughs> you know, look what you could do now. Yeah. You know, you could smooth stuff. But, um, yeah, that was John Wilmarth is an amazing drummer. Oh, uh, yeah. Teach, yeah. Teaches at Somerville High. Okay. And uh, if, if you listen to, the, to that for those four songs, to, you know, to me, the most stable thing in it is the drums. <laughs> I mean, if
0: you're not building it off of solid drums, nothing's going to stand. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's the foundation it's you're the foundation. building everything on. Yeah. It's a good sounding EP, man. Well, I appreciate I, that. You did this thing, and I do this thing too, where I say, I listen to your EP, and the first thing you did was apologize for it. Yeah. I do that too, because, you natural, know, but- I made an album, and of course, if given the chance, I would change absolutely everything about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And but I mean, the point is the point of musicians, and we don't have record executives assigning Grammy-winning producers to right. and and providing studio musicians and engineers in multi-million-dollar studios making gold records with our music. We work with what we got right and at the budget we have and the yep. time we have to do it mm-hmm. so it's all a document of a place and a time man and That's it's exactly a, right it's a great sounding record don't well, apologize I, I appreciate that yeah.
1: i i guess it's just me and you we yeah. always set the bar a little higher so um ron daniel said to me who's i think has four yeah albums now mm-hmm. impressive songwriter mm-hmm. he said man that's something that's a mark in time that you can yeah. build off of. So yeah. that's kind of the way I look at it. And you know, my head was spinning because I was the producer. Mm-hmm. I was the finance guy behind it uh-huh. and Charleston sound great place to record, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're a business. They're not going to give away time right. they You know, it's right. like, I, I felt like I, I was in the, uh, psychiatrist's office and you know we're doing our thing your hours go, almost up yeah all right we're done for the week yeah and the way you get you know through it is um you could extend by adding more time mm-hmm. which is more money so mm-hmm. i tried to keep that was an got to do it in budget yeah and we wanted to do four songs which was pretty um pretty aggressive yeah right in, in 16, well, how lo- 16 how- hours that is aggressive with mixed down and all the other stuff oh wow yep. yeah the whole ball of wax 16 For sure. hours. so um we did that and then it was okay i'm not gonna not finish the project so i yeah. wanted to have a project which was have a cd um you know have the songs on BMI. had bm you know you registered with bmi sure yeah that was so much fun you know yeah. i felt like that was kind of a proud thing you know sure me and Carol Bayer-Sager are both BMI artists, you know? Right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think I am too.
0: ASCAP, BMI, one of those. Yeah, no, well, I'm you,
1: ASCAP. Cap and BMI. You could yeah. do one or the other or both.
0: I think I did ASCAP. I don't
1: know. Yeah, it's all okay. I did it. It's just to do it, yeah. right? And then, right. you know, uh, pressing the CD and to getting To make your own done. publishing company yeah. and say it's this. It's that, you know? yeah. right. So it was a lot of fun. But then when you look back at it, you say, oh man, I didn't even <sighs> think like, you know, J.J. Cale. he's one of my favorite um, mm-hmm. songwriters. And when you listen to his voice, it's got that rich fullness. Mm. And I think they double track his voice or they do some things with it to, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. make it sound like it's a little bit wider. Yeah. And so I, we didn't think about, th- I didn't think about that. And these guys just produced it. And sure. my voice is really pretty, you know, it's pretty much what it is. You know, yep. it's just, yep. there, was, there was nothing fancy. Yep. There was no double tracking or whatever mm-hmm. you do. And I said, man, that would have been cool.
0: There's, so, a, there's a danger of taking all these things too far, though. Right. There's a danger of overdoing it. Yep. And something I am... At least, don't, at least for my own music, my own tastes, and my own voice, a little reverb goes a long way. Right. A little monkeying around goes a long way. And if it pushes too far, I would rather... I would rather not go far enough than go too far as far as monkeying around with my own voice. Sure. Yeah. um, One thing, and and I'll just go on me for just a second. Yeah, sure. The the biggest thing about my record is all those songs were a little on the newer side. Mm -hmm. And after playing them for five more years. Right, I've become better at playing them and singing them, and you know, and I'm sure you feel that way too. Absolutely. Once you gig test a song a hundred times, it morphs into the better version of it. Yep. And if you capture that in its infancy, it's you know, fun. Yeah. It's, yeah. You could listen back to how it started yeah. and where it evolved to. I always say that's yeah. what a live record's for. Yeah. You know, down the line, we have two or three records under your belt make a live
1: record and show show where those have come to yeah you know? that's a great that's a great point the um yeah so the songs evolve yeah and bands change mm-hmm. except if you're the rolling stones right well, they changed a few they've had yeah, a few guitar I players thought, should, they did, that's yeah. true yeah well, maybe the beatles definitely beatles never yeah. changed right it was a fab four yeah well you, you the, recorded say, the recorded beatles recorded beatles yeah right. <laughs> gotcha but um You know, one of the songs that evolved recently was um, Next in Line. Uh Uh-huh. Actually, and so did Detention Center Blues, and part of that was due to the um, new member of our band, a recent member, Mm -hmm. um, Dave Groninger, and Dave just brings this whole blues element to our sound. I
0: love Dave's playing. Oh, my gosh. I love his playing.
1: So um, he said, boy, this is a really good song. Would you mind if I... And I was like, "No, that's what it's all about." Mm-hmm. And so the song has a little bit more of a old school blues feel now mm-hmm. with his um, soloing, and then some of the uh, melodic things he does over the over the uh, verses. All right, so we need to go and re-record <laughs> it or do a live recording of it uh-huh. or something like that. And so Dave's definitely added a um, a nice freshness to the, some of the songs that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. And then most recently, uh, I just love dropping names on your podcast. Oh yeah, like, this is yeah. awesome. So yeah, all these guys can go. Yeah, absolutely. Most recently, uh, we started uh, Bob Williams started oh, yeah. to sit in with us. He played with us at the uh, Edisto mm-hmm. Blackwater Boogie, and Bob's got just such a great feel for rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, that adds another new, you know, new freshness yeah. to it. Yeah, not that the other stuff wasn't, you know. Where it should be, but mm-hmm. it's just fresh. So we're having a lot of fun with you know the or- originals that were written in 2017, mm-hmm. recorded in whenever we did that EP. I forgot what year it was, and and so now they're getting a fresh fresh start. And and we play these at um we played at Kiki and Rye mm-hmm. on Sunday for brunch, and we you know speckled in a bunch of originals. People came up afterwards. Two two guys came up and they said, "I don't recognize that song. Who wrote it? It was really good." And it was Mississippi Rowan was one of them.
0: Isn't that the best feeling? Oh
1: man, I was I was <laughs> like, Well, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was playing Saturday night and I in a set full of covers, I threw one of mine in gotcha. and I got done and a woman goes, Who does that song? I said, Well, me. Yeah. And she goes, No, but who wrote that song? I said,
1: Me. Yeah. And she's like, Really? And that's yeah. that's what we're doing it for, man. <laughs> it's it's really nice. It's a yeah. good it's a good great feeling. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not one of the uh, I don't know if I don't know if people have a category but I'll say that some people want it to be played exactly how it was written mm. with no changes mm-hmm. while well, being a grateful dead fan yeah you know it never comes <laughs> out the same twice right so I always say with originals that I've written let's let's have some fun with it
3: let's do, oh, see what we can do where we can continuously malleable yes
0: and if somebody just sits in one night on If you have a harp player show up and jump in, man, it's a
1: new version. It's a different. Yeah. New version. So So
0: that's the original lineup on next in line.
1: Yeah. John Wilmoth, Roger Craig, me Mm -hmm. and uh, Julia Craig on helping out on vocals.
0: So when you tracked it there at the studio, was it everybody in one room or was it start with drums, build it up, scratch tracks? How'd you track? How'd you track it?
1: Uh, It was uh, drums with bass and rhythm guitar. Mm hmm. And then we overdubbed lead guitar, mm. and then we overdubbed vocals. Mm-hmm. Cool, click, cool. click track. John, <clears throat> John loves playing with the click tracks. So yeah. goes, do you mind if we use a click track? I'm like, no, that's I'm used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so John had the click track. I had it. I don't think Roger had a click track mm. because he's such a um when when he plays bass, he's a feel bass player. Yeah. So a click track would distract. Oh, distract them. Yeah. It's very, It could be to me. It's just something to help keep time. But um, that's the way we did it. It was uh, so this there is two guitar parts, two uh, tracks. Yeah, I noticed. I yeah,
0: yeah, I was definitely hearing it, and I yeah. was like,
1: "Well, was Dave in the band, yet? Yeah. No, is that it, was yeah. pre-Dave, and and uh, it was good playing, man. Well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. You yeah. know, that was uh, that was a nail biter, and and you know, <laughs> the, the guys at the studio said, um, you know, we'll do as many takes as you want. Yeah, and I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, that's yeah. money. <laughs> oh, okay. So I was like. I said, let's try to do it with three takes. Okay. So we did three takes for each th- each song, mm-hmm. and then uh, the the lead part, um, same thing. Overdub the lead, three takes, mm-hmm. and uh, the first one was the one we went with. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty, you know, it's pretty good cool. when it works that way. I had the worst sore throat when we did the <laughs> vocals. I'm not kidding. You. I had <laughs> yeah. like uh, not strep throat, but I had like the, the worst. Your throat, throat knew you were doing vocals, it, and it just shut itself it. down. And, yeah. and they were like, "Well, why, why don't you just?" Do this and then come back and do it again. I'm like, nah, let's just let's get just this do it. done. Yeah. And so I, you know, plowed through the best I could with it.
0: That, uh, that notion of being under the gun is why I record myself. Such a good way to do it. However, yeah, I can tinker forever.
1: Yeah. That, when I, do you say it's done?
0: Yeah. The, the good part about being under the gun yeah is sometimes deadlines, sometimes, um, limiting your options or or really saying let's boil this down and get things done that's what get things gets things done right. for better or worse yeah yeah man i could i have the equipment in this room we're sitting in that i could record an album and put it out tomorrow but it's unlikely that i will because i have no dead t- no deadline right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, so you know um Looking back at that project, I really wish I would have had somebody in there as a producer.
2: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: And then that would have taken me out of that role. Even though we talked a little bit about it with sure. John, like John, mm-hmm. um, on the on the song that I think was the best song. Actually, the two songs I liked the most on the EP were April Honey, mm-hmm. but that had a nice feel to it. And then um, I Tried. mm and on I Tried, there was something missing. And John said, oh, I know what it is. It needs conga drums. Okay. And so if you listen, they're in there. They're in the mix. And he, mm-hmm. you know, we did that as an afterthought. Mm-hmm. You know, quick, one, that was one take, and John had it. That's how good he is. But um, you know, if there was a producer, that takes the pressure off of a little bit of the musician to focus on the music and the singing. That's
0: and, provided that they take it into a direction you want to go. Yeah, I, that's true. You know, but I always wonder too. Listening to a lot of artists, there are artists that I absolutely like. My favorite of all time is Tom Waits. Love that guy. And oh my gosh. And what's a producer's role for Tom Waits? Just to go in there and let the tape roll and let Tom Waits do Tom Waits, stay out of his way, or does any of that come from a producer? And that's interesting. Yeah. That's a really I don't know. I know and another one of my favorite though that I do hear the producer in all of his things is Tom Petty. Because when Jeff, Jeff Lynn's Lynn. producing yep. Tom Petty, you hear ELO. more of a layer of sound, ELO style. <laughs> yeah. But when um oh, what's his name? The guy with the big beard. Oh, oh, the yeah. Beastie boys. Yeah,
1: I forgot his name. I know who it is. Gordon. Um, no. We'll all, come up with come it. Come back with that one. When he
0: produces their records. It is stripped down. It is, you can tell they're all playing in a room together. Yep. You can tell Jeff Lynn builds up those tracks one at a time. Oh, yeah. And I mean, with Tom Petty's songs, there's no wrong way. No.
1: But it's definitely differing results. Sure, different results. But I, I think with Tom Petty, who's one of my favorites too, yeah. um, he might have been the reason why I stuck with it and said, oh, I could do something uh-huh. more. Um, refugee you know, oh, when I yeah. heard that song, it was like, whew. yeah, but, um, it, you could still hear his lyrical mm. sense and feel I, I do anyway. And he's a storyteller. Yeah. Amazing story. i um, uh, Bob Dylan, you know, mm. like that type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, Tom Petty is just unmistakable as a lyricist, you know, it's oh, just yeah. like you could have anybody sing his songs and you're like, that sounds like a Tom Petty tune. There's Tom Petty is a guy
0: that he will sing about a thing and I'll be like, it would never even occur to me to sing a song about that. Yeah. Early Beatles. It's all, I love you. You love me. Great. We love this. It's, it's fantastic. P.S. I love you. Yeah. But awesome. it's, <laughs> it's not in, incredibly complex. Now they did get complex yeah. in a short period of time.
1: Yeah, Phil Spector.
0: Yeah, everything the Beatles did happened in nine years on on recordings. Mm -hmm. But
1: yeah, uh, so the producer might have a bigger role; he might not. It just depends on the the artist and how how precious you
0: are about what you do in a live show. Yeah, you are like if you are like the record has to be what you get live, or the record becomes its own thing. You know, right? Yeah, it's
1: it's a it's a bookmark. Yeah, the t- the timing more.
0: Yeah. But I can I can definitely see on from your perspective where at least not having to wear that hat too. Yeah, would have f- freed, freed up, up some bandwidth to yeah do to do the rest up, of it. to do the rest of it. But
1: yeah, it definitely a great experience. Anybody who's thinking about cutting a right uh, recording a song, mm. definitely going <laughs> into the studio. It's a it's a wicked feeling, you know. It's it's you, an eye opener. Yeah. Yeah. Um, eye opener and and you know, it's very um it's uplifting in a way because you you know, you're in a studio with you know, recording artists and yeah go like, Oh, who recorded a Charleston Sound? Um Hootie and the Blowfish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I was like, wow, Hootie and they did good. all right. They did, they were a good band. Yeah. I like them a lot, man. Yeah, they were like sure. the nineties, right? Early nineties. Yeah, yeah. They're like Charleston royalty, man. Royalty. <laughs> Darius Rutger, you know, yeah. um, the guy in the studio said, oh, Darius might be in later. Okay. So we got to wrap up and clean up. I was oh. like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know what? <laughs> it that. is a great sounding record, man. <laughs> hey, thank I, you so much.
0: I put it on. I was like, this sounds really good there. It took me a minute to find it on Apple music. Cause there's another Paul Stone Yep, and that wasn't you. Nope. And then, but yeah, man, great sounding record. I
1: appreciate that.
0: Want to play us a song off of that? Sure. Let's do that. Yeah. What do you got? Well do I tried? Do you want to tell me about how that came to be? That,
1: that song was written. I think it was more I was, I was in a mood, working really hard at work, doing all these things, mm. trying to be a better guy. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, guys? Yeah um, Always working to be a little bit better. And that song kind of came from that feel and the lyrics, you know, just written along the lines of keep working towards being better, sometimes there's a letdown, Mm. and that's life. So that's where that song came from. All right, man. Let's Let's hear it. it. All right.
3: Sun shining down on your big brown eyes again Well I can see that you're miles away and it makes me sad I cry Oh girl I tried Oh girl I tried Oh girl I tried Oh girl I tried tried. Can't you see I'm giving all I've got to give? Well, can't you see I'm giving all I've got? Girl, I tried. Oh, girl, I tried. I see you standing on the side of the room, and I know that you're saying goodbye. My love for you was all in vain, and it makes me sad. I cried Oh girl, I tried Oh girl, I tried Oh girl, I tried Oh girl, I tried Oh baby, I tried and I tried well, Can't you see I'm giving All I've got to give Well, Can't you see I'm giving All I've got, girl, I tried Oh, girl, I tried Girl, I tried oh, Girl, I tried Well, can't you see I'm giving all I've got to give I'm giving it all I've got Well, can't you see I'm giving all I've got Girl, I tried Oh, girl, I tried I tried to get you to come around And change your point just kept on doing those crazy old things you always do oh girl i tried oh girl i tried oh girl i tried oh girl i tried well baby i tried and i tried well can't you see i'm giving all i've got to give i'm giving it all i've got Well can't you see I'm giving all I've got Girl I tried, oh girl I tried I see that sun shining down On your big brown eyes again You just kept on doing those crazy old things You always did, oh girl I tried Oh girl I tried Girl, I tried. Oh, girl, I tried.
0: Awesome, man.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, I like that on the record, and I liked it now. Yeah, a little stripped down, just me and an acoustic guitar. But for uh, sure, that's the way it was written. Okay, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. it's always interesting to hear something that. A lot of people who are on this podcast, I only hear solo or on their recordings are solo. But yeah, to hear it in a band, then to hear it stripped down. Different feel. Different feel.
1: How did blues come into the mix? Well, you know, rock and roll is basically rooted in blues, Mm. in my Mm -hmm. humble opinion. So uh, the artists that I I liked and I was listening to more and more were really blues based. And, uh, I wanted to play more and so, and play with different people. So I got connected with the low country blues club mm. in Charleston, great bunch of people. And they have the open jams on, uh, it was, it was always Sunday night and I think Wednesday night mm-hmm. and they used to play at Smokies uh, Smokey's down in Hanahan, little burger joint that's not there anymore, but, uh, you know, I wanted to play more. And so the. The blues crept back into my um, playing, and then when you get into it, it takes a lot to play the blues the way the blues should be played. Oh yeah. So I started to you know work on that more, and um, you know would go to these open mic nights. Had a lot of fun. Uh, met lots of people. There's a lot of great musicians in Charleston that that are playing the blues, and so um, when you do that, you just start to your writing kind of moves in that direction a little mm-hmm. bit more, you know, uh, rush is a great band, mm-hmm. but that's a different type of style of music. And it takes a real different type of dedication to get proficient at it. Mm-hmm. So I felt that blues was more rock and roll based. People would like to play it more and playing yeah. in a band, you know, you want to do something that everybody could agree on. So sure. moved into that direction uh, quite a bit. and. um you know we're having we're having a lot of fun with it. You know the a one four and five you could do a lot with that. <laughs> people, you know, too many people think it's one four and five. It's not. It could be yeah. one six four five. It right. could be yeah. You know you could have you know borrowed chords. There's all sorts of crazy yeah. stuff you could do. But
0: out of all the see even breaking down blues, it can go in so many directions. Absolutely. Chicago blues, Delta Mississippi blues. Delta blues,
1: yeah. Um, Charleston blues, Charleston
0: this, blues. Yeah. Is there is there sort of a lane in the blues that you kind of like? Do you, are you more of, a, you're more of a lead belly or a B.B. King, or you, what, what
1: direction do you prefer on your own? I would say more of a B.B. A, a King mm. type of blues, which is, I think, you know, um, he was Memphis, right? Yeah. B.B. King was a Memphis guy. Mm-hmm. But probably somewhere between that and like the Chicago blues. I like the rawness of the Chicago blues. Mm. And that guitar sound and things like that, but BB is definitely a you know, if you could play one note that's as sweet as a BB oh. note, forget it. You could just hang on that for a week and you'll be happy.
0: Yeah, I, <clears throat> I mean, I love I loves me some Steve Vai. The guy Absolutely. can play. I mean, if he were getting paid by the note, he'd be yeah. he'd have a lot of money. <laughs> but sometimes, like you said, BB can hit that one note. Just make it sing, yeah, man.
1: Yeah. So you know, that's where the blues pulled back into, into my writing a mm-hmm. little bit was I wanted to write music that was one fun to play. Mm. There's a lot of room for interpretation, and um, make people smile, hopefully. That's yeah. like one of my things I always say when I play a gig, especially when I started playing solo stuff again, <clears throat> you know, being nervous. Right to yeah. be in the front up there alone. Never yeah. did that before mm-hmm. until I started playing in Charleston. Um, I said, "Well, if I can get one person to smile in and, and during two sets, work's done." Oh yeah. So Roger, when Roger and I started playing together, <clears throat> um, sometimes it would happen on the first song. Mm. Somebody would smile, you know, and All I right. go, "I go, Roger, we're good for the day." Yeah. And then it was just fun <laughs> from there. For All sure. the nerves dropped, you know, because mm-hmm. I mission accomplished. Whether there was a tip in the tip jar or somebody you know, wrote you a nice note or whatever, didn't matter. That one person smiled. Absolutely, um, man. And I got a quick story for you. You yeah. want a quick story? Quick for fun sure. story. I know I'm kind of pulling you off the uh, game a little bit, but we played a Kiki and Ryan, and this has never happened to me before. <laughs> played a Kiki and Ryan Mount Pleasant on Sunday for brunch. Mm-hmm. And there was a family sitting at the table like right right close up to the stage. And they mm-hmm. were obviously enjoying the music. So they came up, there was a little girl, she had to be maybe four years old. Dad came up, said hello, dropped the tip in the chip jar, and then the dad goes, Well, ask. I was like, huh. The <laughs> girl says, Can you play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star? <laughs> now I was like, How could I not? Right. Right, so absolutely. I said, you yeah. Got it. Right after the set break, we'll do that song. Uh-huh. So we took a break. I said to Roger and Dave, it was a trio that day. Let's go look it up. Mm, I know that's I mean that's oh, like okay. mama sung that song to me when sure. I was a baby, right? But I said you guys just let me do this song for that, you know, little girl. Mm-hmm. So I got back on and I said this one's going to go out to Emma. She's one of our newest fans. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the for the request. And I, you know, I based it on I played it in G because my voice kind of fits nice in sure. the key of G. Played it. It was the best response to the to the day people i had fun doing it uh-huh. they were smiling listening and, mm-hmm. and the little and the dad goes look he's doing your song and so that was kind of like the highlight of the sunday brunch gig something we didn't expect to do it was you know an ad hoc thing and it just made a great you know great impression
0: that's what makes you go home from a gig feeling good man mm-hmm. there are For places sure. in charleston i play where the money's great but maybe the experience isn't quite as fun
1: could have um, a tough audience
0: yeah yeah and don't get me wrong i'm getting paid to go up there and play songs yes even if i i typically try to earn my originals yeah. you know i try i try to I always say I treat my originals like giving medicine to a dog. You wrap it in something they want and kind of, <laughs> so I kind of see maybe I can butter these guys up with some tunes. We'll pivot through some petty, maybe take it into a little more obscure stuff. And right when I get that crowd all buttered up, I'll slide in that original and Have see how it do. goes. Yeah. And, and you know, there are nights where nothing I'm throwing out's working and you're not getting anything back, but ultimately I'm still playing songs. Still playing. I mean, I'm, Not home on the couch, but on a night where you can do no wrong, its the magic, or even if it's, even if it's a crowded room and you got one person that's just locked in, it's It's a winner. I'm playing to that one guy. That's a winner. It's like these, it's, these are, these songs are for you the rest of the night. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's the way to do it. And you're there. Everybody else is listening, but you have one person that's loving it and that's where you, you move to. Yeah. So that was kind of the twinkle, twinkle, little star thing. And for sure. You know, I, I might work that into the repertoire once or twice in the future. You know, Hey,
0: man, keep that in your back <laughs> pocket. You might need it. When you're writing songs. All right. This the kind of the way I kind of think of it is. Do you fire up the machine and say, I'm going to work on a song right now? Or do you kind of just keep the butterfly net in hand in case one starts to fly by and you're like, I better snag that one. Mm. Like what's, what's your approach to songwriting?
1: It's probably two prong. Mm. Sometimes I write with the butterfly net in hand. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm in my car, stuck Mm. in traffic. Something comes to me and I'm like, Oh, am I going to remember that? (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. Scramble for a piece of paper and write something down. Am I going to remember the, the, the melody? (laughs) <laughs> Probably not. Telephone, singing into the telephone, mm-hmm. and then at least I have a reference point. Yeah, that's the butterfly net mm-hmm. wait And a few songs are like that. um Next in line. Next in line was, was Harris Teeter. Harris Teeter. Yeah. yeah, and it was the yeah. That, man, that's great. You're like, uh I don't remember saying that, but I I
0: researched you, man.
1: You, you Got it, man. Yeah, this is <laughs> so, your life. Yeah, that's the butterfly net. Yeah. You know, we were on. I was online at a Harris Teeter, and the cashier said, "Next in line." And I was like, man, that is just too too easy to pass up. Yeah. You know? So that's where that bloomed from. But then there are times where, um, I'll I'll escape up to my little room where I write and do mm-hmm. practice and things like that. And I'll just say, no, I want to write. And I might work on a theme where might might be something in the news mm-hmm. that struck me. And I'll say, oh man, I got to write that. I got to write about that. And I'll work it up. I have you know a notebook. I'll write down my lyrical thoughts. And then some people say, well, do you write the the music first or the lyrics yeah. first? I typically write the lyrics first mm. and then I'll put music behind it. Mm-hmm. Most times I
0: always have trouble if I have the music finding the lyric, but I've, I've discovered that if the lyrics come, the music just, it, the lyrics suggest the music. Like, oh, well, yeah. That's the it's, easy part. That's you the know? easy yeah. part. Right. So yeah.
1: And then, you, you know, oh, how's the bridge going to go? Or am mm. I going to even have a bridge? Mm-hmm. You know, how's the chorus going to go? Yeah. And that might fall afterwards. Okay. But um, usually it's the lyrics will come first and then I'll put music behind it. And it's usually very raw. Mm-hmm. And then it will kind of bloom from there. It might take some, you know, some tunes are written really quick, mm-hmm. some I might leave and forget about and then come back to, but I'll have the lyrics, the chord progression and then some raw mm-hmm. recording of how you know what I think at the time.
0: Now do you keep is there a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of uh, voice memos in your phone, a lot of <laughs> in your notes app, just a lot of lines floating around or notebooks sitting there? or
1: yeah, I have notebooks, okay, like just notebooks with lyrics and things that I've written. Sometimes it might be just one line. Yeah. And I just have, oh, man, that's such a cool thought. Mm-hmm. And I'll have one line, and I'll just—it's there for maybe a future type of, uh, you know, writing session thing. Um, and then I don't save things on my phone. What I usually do is I have a a, a Zoom board that I could record oh, okay. into. So I'll record into that, and then I'll take the wave file and put it on my laptop and have it saved as, you know, some title. I'm, you know, make a song title up, and that's where oh. it'll sit until I pull it back in and say, what was I doing there? (laughs) And that's that.
0: Man, if I, I always say like, if I documented every thought that came in my head when I woke up in the middle of the night or if I was in the shower driving or on the bike, I'd have 10 records right now. I got to get better about having that butterfly net
1: on me. And it's really, I think it's important to have that recorded reference. Mm, mm Mm-hmm might not, might not even be Nobody's there. Nobody's ever going to hear it. Nobody's going to hear yeah. it. Um, but it's there for you so you could pull it back in mm-hmm. and, and do that. So that's how I, that's how I tip. It's either the butterfly net or in a room. And I just say, I'm going to, man, this really caught my attention today. I need mm-hmm. to write about it. And, um, that's kind of the way I roll. Everything written on a guitar.
0: Or you ever have a piano you plink around on or
1: I do, but I write everything on guitar. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, when you start writing a song and it starts to take shape, do you ever think like, well, this sort of reminds me a little bit of this songwriter. Do you ever pop into the head of another songwriter or artist you like and kind of think it in terms of that
1: lane?
2: Mm. I,
1: that's a great, really good question. Hmm. I don't know if I so much pop into the head, mm. but I might think, oh man, this would be if, if John and he's one of my favorite guys, John Lennon is mm. just certainly, you know, um, an amazing person character. I might say, "Wow, how would John Lennon spin that? Mm-hmm. And then I might open it up to, you know, that interpretation, yeah even though it's me, right, it's still John Lennon right. That, that's helping me pull it into where I think it's going to be something I could actually play or use.
0: I know I've had songs where in my mind, I've just ripped off a particular Bob Dylan song and I play it for somebody and they're, they're like, that's a great song. I was like, I'm ripping off Bob Dylan. They're like, I don't hear that at all. But in my own head, you right. Know? You're hearing it. Yeah. And I
1: think the blues guys would say so think about the blues riffs like, mm. um, you know, Hoochie Coochie Men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That, that's used in so many songs, you For know. For sure. Um, they call it borrowing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little, a little uh, less hard on yourself than ripping off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, of my, I'm ripping this off.
0: One of my favorite Neil Young songs is Borrowed Tune, and he flat out sings in it. I'm singing a borrowed tune I took from the Rolling
1: that Stones, sounds, and he did. Yeah, that's, that's definitely
0: right. a melody from another song. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> it's, I like to
1: say borrowing. Yeah, uh, but th- I I think that that's important to be able to do.
0: Nothing's created in a vacuum, man. We're all a culmination of our influences and
1: experiences. Absolutely. So you know, pulling in your favorites to to polish something or get something into the finish line. Mm-hmm. That's 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 what you're supposed to do. I think.
0: Yeah. Is there a song, not, not one of your own, but is there a song by any songwriter, band, any song that you can point at and say like, oh man, that's the pinnacle of songwriting. If I could write a song like that, uh, that's the top of the mountain for me. It doesn't have to just be one song, but. Wow. Lyrically,
1: musically. Any of it. All that stuff. <clears throat> there's probably so many but i know the, it's hard you know, kind of being
0: put under the gun no like that, it's but... it's
1: not at all it's it's kind of like what the pinnacle i think to me it would have to be the long and winding road mm. by the beatles i mean that song when you know if if you hear the stripped down version Mm -hmm. Or you hear the fully produced version? I think it was Phil Spector on that one. Yeah, that said you got to have you know strings and (laughs) Paul hated that, (laughs) right? But when you listen to that song lyrically and it's timeless, Mm -hmm. that's the pinnacle of. And McCartney's got probably you know dozens of them, right? But that one, you know, the first time I heard that as a teenager, I was like, man, it really struck struck a chord. Um, and then now, as a an adult, somewhat, <laughs> um, it still strikes a chord. Yeah, you know, um, but that would probably be like top, yeah. top, like one of the tops.
0: In your music listening yeah. life, mm-hmm. are you an albums guy? Are you a singles guy? A playlists guy? What's
1: your What's your listening preferences? I would say now it's a. Um, playlist type of a person Mm. i like i like a playlist Mm -hmm. and i could even let xm radio suggest a playlist for me you let the
0: algorithm sometimes
1: i do i'll say just you know let let it go Mm -hmm. or like uh, alexa alexa Mm. play my favorite songs okay she keeps getting better at it every year the algorithm gets good boy oh boy i mean
0: and sometimes when it slips in a song that you don't necessarily know but it knows based off of what you like yeah that's good too
1: you know yeah so so i would say that's today debbie and i still have a record player downstairs oh, and awesome. we still listen to records you know we'll put on a, a record and just listen to it and it, that's a different type of a listening experience it's a commitment i mean when commitment. you put the me when you put the needle <clears throat> down
0: you know what the next 20 minutes are for it's and that then song, those
1: songs that, yeah. that, that that side of the album so yeah it's fun but i think more like if i'm at work or doing yeah. something yeah yeah i'll let you know, the playlist, be the guide. I annoy
0: my coworkers so much because <laughs> it's albums every time. Albums. Yeah, I, there's one, there's one fellow I work with and he's 65 and he's down, so, he's down with albums. He, li- he I likes mean, it, yeah. I We listen to the wide album twice a week, I would say. That's
1: a good one. But um,
0: yeah, man. It, but the algorithm has turned me on to so much.
1: Yeah, it really does. And sometimes it pulls something out that I forgot about Uh uh-huh and i love that you know it's like oh wow that was good
0: if i had to make you think of your top five songwriters Mm. doesn't have to be five but who are your who are your guys who are your favorite songwriters uh
1: lennon and mccartney Mm -hmm. uh
0: what are you lennon or mccartney though like if you had to choose, everybody, everybody either falls one side or the
1: other, typically. So I love the darkness of John Lennon. Yeah, and I love the positive vibe of Paul McCartney. Yep. I wish I could write more positive stuff. Mm, I tend mm-hmm. to write more on the, you know, the, uh, you know, yeah. Because out, it's outwardly, well, not not only that, I think outwardly is a, you know, just my persona is I'm kind of a positive vibe guy. Oh, you sure are. Yeah. Right. And so, but there's the dark side of me that's always, always. <laughs> you know nipping at my heels right and so the songwriting sometimes it like oh gosh i can write another sad song <laughs> yeah stop already you know yeah but um, so lennon or mccartney probably mccartney you know some yeah. people love to fill the world with silly love songs and, <laughs> you know what's wrong with that <laughs> sure, right sure um and then uh certainly bob dylan mm-hmm. uh robbie robinson mm-hmm. and um gosh if i had to Say number five. This one's going to throw you, Frank Zappa. I love Frank. Zappa. Yeah, and I, I and love I, Frank. You Zappa. know, then right under the cusp, Tom Waits, and mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. The, you know all those guys that I didn't mention. But those would be my top five. Definitely Zappa. And well, I
0: know you're a big Deadhead as well.
1: Yeah, and you know, but they're the world's best cover band. Sure. Uh huh. So their musical writing, they have great ones. Yeah. But I love when they play other people's stuff as much as their own music. Right. Uh, American Beauty certainly gets a tip of the hat to me oh. as my, one of my top five For favorite albums reason. at all times. Yeah. yeah.
0: So. Well, that was my next question. No way. <laughs> what albums are your favorites, man?
1: <laughs> uh, so top five would probably be, not maybe in this order, but American Beauty certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, Revolver.
0: Oh, that's a great yeah. one. Yeah.
1: Um, Let It Be. Um, Let It Be. Yeah. Interesting pick. Yeah, Yeah. that that was for a bunch of reasons, but certainly um, Billy Preston playing keyboards on Mm. that was amazing. Yeah, and um, you know, just the the looseness of that whole album Mm -hmm. was really cool to me. It wasn't overproduced; it was just very loose. Um, certainly, um, hmm, wow, to to narrow it down to the five doesn't have to be five. Um, Boy. I like Glass Houses by Billy Joel. Okay. Right? Piano Man. You're from Long Island. Yeah. I mean, you gotta yeah. have a Billy Joel song <laughs> yeah. in there. Billy Joel album. The guy's amazing. For sure. And songwriters. You know, he's what an incredible oh, lyricist. Oh, solid. Yeah. yeah. But, um, didn't hit didn't hit mine. Sorry, Billy. <laughs> be nice if you put a thing on there. Hey, I can't believe you didn't pick me. Right. That yeah, would be awesome yeah. for the podcast. You'd be like a million hits or something. For sure. Yeah. Um
0: call me Billy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then this is gonna throw you too, because I'm going through them all and I'm saying albums that I could listen to today as much as I did back then. Uh huh. Destroyer. Kiss Destroyer. Okay. Yeah. Right. I really used to like that type of music. Sure. And I think that had a rock and roll rawness to it. Yeah. That um, you know, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley and uh, and you know Peter Chris and
0: that Kiss is one really. of those bands that in in my mind I'm I'm too young, I feel like yeah kind of had to be there,
1: but they still play live concerts. Today. Sure, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Th- the final tour, yeah,
0: yeah. Again, you know, they should yeah. call it like the
1: Walker Tour, right? Like.
0: I mean, the Stones are the same way, man. Hmm. I saw the Stones 2021, and when I saw them, I was like, well. Mick Jagger's in twice as good a shape as I am. That guy probably Amazing. ran five miles, but yeah. you see Keith and you're like, oh, how many more years does Keith have? But Keith looked rough for
1: 40, 40 years. <laughs> he looked rough in 1975. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was, that was a tough one. Ronnie. I, I'm the,
0: I think Ronnie Wood's my favorite guy. He's I, awesome. I love Ronnie.
1: Yep. So what are you currently working on? Right now, uh, we're, playing mm-hmm. you know, we're playing a lot. We're playing a lot, playing quite a few gigs. Mm-hmm. So what we're working on is getting Bob more integrated into the band. Okay, And uh, then what we'd like to do is get into a studio, a, some uh, recording situation where we could record some of the new material that we're mm-hmm. working on. Um, the nice part is collaborating more. Mm-hmm. Um, with with dave on guitar so he's helping out a lot with adding a different spice to the to the uh, soup so to speak yeah and i like that a lot and uh, of course you know roger's steady on bass and then mm-hmm. bob on drums and then lastly i didn't I'd, i would be terrible if i didn't mention our keyboard player john daniel yeah who adds this whole other realm to the music because he you know multi-instrumentalist uh, oh yeah, I saw him. He had like a trumpet there. Play trumpet. Like and,
0: you know. I, I saw him just loading in and just warming
1: up a little bit, and I was like, "Oh, you're a dangerous man." He's a dangerous man. Yeah, yeah. He keeps me on my toes. Yeah, John does. Yeah, that's good but to he, have, man. And uh, so much fun. So, you know, getting back into the studio with a keyboard player, um, new drummer, and recording some of the stuff that we've been working on, which is it's still rock and roll yeah. and bl- with a blues flair to it. But that's really what's keeping us busy as a band. Excellent, man!
0: I'm really, I'm excited to see what you got coming up next, man.
1: Yeah, Uh, you got a new song for us? I think we're going to try to uh, play. uh, Not we, me. Yeah, I'm going to do an attempt on a song that I just finished up not too long ago. Um, and the song is the song is written during the pandemic, right? So it's got a little bit of a a feel of you know. What's next, type of feel to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's play it and let's see what you think. All right, let's hear it. All right.
3: Don't look now, but the world is changed. all around the good and bad the sky's on fire the trees are dying and I don't know I don't know what along so slow You save your money for things that break like shining in a circus ring And I don't know I don't know what to do Times and you feel the bad times too. You wish that love would shine on through your dreams, they're big enough, but the money just ain't enough, and I don't know, I don't know what Bye. Your friends they laughed at you when you tell them that life goes flying through, and you don't know.
1: Great song, Paul. What's that song called? Well, the title's really not firmed up yet, uh, but right now it's called "I Don't Know What to Do." Okay. Um, and that the, the you know the song. I think you got the feel for where it was coming from. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit of optimism, but certainly darkness to it as well.
0: Excellent. It's a good. It's a good song. I'm excited to hear what you're working on next, and excited to hear you know, the recorded version of that with a producer and, uh, really thank you for stopping by today, man. It was, it was great getting to know you better and absolutely look
1: forward to seeing you guys around the scene. Thank you so much, Eric. Look forward to seeing you around the scene and opening up for you sometime down the road. (laughs) You just let me know when. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks man. Have a good one. You too. Well, I hope you
0: enjoyed listening to my conversation with Paul as much as I did having it thanks once again for listening to songs of the unsung the podcast just turned a year old. This is the 25th episode and I've really enjoyed the conversations I've had with other musicians. I've met a lot of new people and uh, made some really good friends doing this podcast and I'm looking forward to all the conversations I can have in the future. Love for you to follow the podcast on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, YouTube, And if you're an artist and you'd like to talk about your music with me, feel free to reach out. Got a lot of ideas for things to do with the podcast in the upcoming year that I'm excited about and I'll share as it comes out. But until then, I'll just leave you my gratitude for listening. Thank you so much. My name is Eric Barnett.
2: I'll see you next time.